0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. It's all about the glory. Oh, this has been building and building for the many weeks that we have been together talking about what God is like. What is God like? And we have spent time talking about the greatness of of God, amen, and talking about his many attributes and trying to get a handle on an understanding of His greatness, because if we can' tap into the greatness of God, we can begin to cut down on the many mistakes and errors that we make when we think of God not as high and lifted up as He is. when we start to reduce Him. Uh, We make all kind of errors and we make all kind of missteps and misjudgments. And we just want to be able to think of God as accurately as we can. And as I told you before, whatever your view of God is, even at this exact moment, is too low. It's always to push higher, higher, higher so that we can understand how high and lifted up he is. Amen. And so we talked about the greatness of God. And then we spent some time talking about the goodness of God. Amen. The love of God that says I can reach you. The peace of God that says don't be afraid. The forgiveness of God that says keep it moving. The mercy of God that says get in the game and the grace of God that says you can win. Amen. All of those things as he interacts with us are very important for us to be able to grasp that not only is God great, God is good. Y'all are not with me today. God is great. But when you combine great with good, now you you working with something. When he talked about in Luke chapter 12, when he said, fear him, don't fear him that can throw, uh, that can destroy the body, but fear him that can uh, uh, destroy the body, but then throw the soul in hell. Amen. But then right after that, he says, so fear him, but do not be afraid. Fear him because of his greatness, but don't be afraid of him because of his goodness. Come on now. Now you're with me. Amen. Fear him because of his greatness, but but don't be afraid of him because of his goodness. And now we're going to conclude our exploration of what God is like by talking about the glory of God. Hmm. The greatness of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God. And as the title would suggest, it's all about The glory, the glory is what is due him. Amen. The glory is what is due him. When you talk about giving folks glory, even in a small way, when you when you think about it, it's you're giving somebody again what what uh, they they deserve in terms of of based upon who they are and based upon what they have done. When you think about even we ascribe glory all the time. There, there is there's something about a championship team that you give them what's due them. And even if your team goes 73 and 9 instead of 72 and 10, if you go 73 and 9 with no championship, but you go 70, y- y'all are not with me, if you go 72 and 10 with the chip, we ascribe more glory to that. That's, that's how you get it done. You can't go 73 and not go to State Warriors and be the greatest team of all time because you didn't win the championship. But when you go 72 and 10, Chicago Bulls fans, you ascribe a little bit more to that. To that accomplishment. So again, we ascribe glory to championship teams. We ascribe glory, if you will, to historic figures. We think about the the giants of uh, the founding of our country and the and the growth of our country. People like Benjamin Franklin or or, or Abraham Lincoln or Frederick Douglass or Doctor Martin Luther King. We remember them and we remember them fondly and we lift them up because they have done some things, and they uh, have done some things that are memorable that we want to be able to ascribe to them what is due them. Amen? And the glory of the Lord is, is revealed by what he, not just by what he does, but it's also based on who he is. Now, 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 now you, now you, now you're doubling up in in an even better way because a lot of times for us, it's earthly glory, if you will. And I use that term very loosely. But, but when we talk about it, it's based upon what somebody has done or accomplished. But the glory that I'm talking about with God is not just based upon what he's done. It is based upon who he is. It is intrinsic glory. And the thing about intrinsic glory is it's there whether you recognize it or not. Amen. But the glory of the Lord needs to be revealed. And and revealing one's glory is to put one's attributes on display. And so, again, history is God's glory story. Amen. And so as history has unfolded, God has revealed himself to us and he has uh, uh, done uh, great works for us and done things as he interacts with humanity. And all of that continues to build up so that it reveals who he is and what he's done. And that is his glory. It's to let others in on who you are and what you're made of. And there's only one person that we, the more we learn about him and what he's made of that we just fall on our knees and worship and give him glory. I can promise you the more we find out about you and the more we find out about me, we'll shut that whole Program down amen it's like the more we find out about how we are but that's not how the more we find out about God the more we we understand him the more we study him the more we look at what he's done we will get a greater appreciation over and over and over and we will ascribe him more and more glory there are only two beings if you will that have not recognized God's glory and that is fallen angels and fallen men everybody else or everything else has given god the glory what is due him but there are those two classes of beings if you will that that fall short of giving god the glory for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god fall short of the purpose for which they were designed every breathing living creature was designed for one purpose to give god glory the the most merciful and gracious and loving thing that a god that we serve could do is to put his glory on display and allow us to get in on appreciating it. And we messed that up pretty early, and so did the fallen angels. There's only those two folks, those two classes of beings, if you will, that have not fully recognized God's glory. Hmm. Now, the most common word in the Old Testament for glory is this word kabod. Amen? It's from a root word that means to be heavy. Come on somebody. Or, or weighty. <laughs> the Old Testament word for glory or honor to splendor is this root word that means to be heavy or weighty. Now, the folks in the 60s in particular, they may or may not have realized they were tapping into something when they began to describe each other. When somebody began to speak or articulate a particular thing that was impressive, they would say, that cat is heavy. Y'all trying to pretend, you know what I mean? That was the slang. But you know how biblical that is? When, when somebody is doing something, it, that, that, they, they were literally tapping into that word kabod because kabod means literally, it means heavy or weighty. What you're saying, what you're, what you're throwing down, what you're dealing with, that cat is heavy. Now, just to give you an example of a, of a heavy cat, <laughs> Cornell West. That cat is heavy. I read his book, Race Matters, many years ago. And Cornell, I think, was, was trying to, to, to uh, interact with the masses, if you will. And a lot of his language was still very intelligent. It came across as, 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 as heavy. And again, to talk about black nihilism and all of that, I mean, I could, I could get it. And so after I after i i read race matters i i picked up this little tome called the cornell west reader this brother is heavy let me let me just give you an example and if you can follow along then, then then please i mean you can break it down to us all after 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 service but i think cornell wanted I think the whole point of this book is to let you know what you don't know and how heavy he is. He said, I want to connect with you with race matters. Now I just want to let you know that a cat is heavy. So this, this, let me just read something to you from essay number 10, which is the pragmatism and the sense of the tragic, which I'm sure you've discussed many times. He says this, the recent revival of pragmatism provides a timely intellectual background for the most urgent problematic of our postmodern movement. The complex cluster of questions and queries regarding the meaning and value of democracy. No other modern philosophical tradition has grappled with the various dimensions of this problematic more than that of American pragmatism. Thomas Jefferson, Ralph Waldo, Emerson, Abraham Lincoln, the grand spiritual godfathers of pragmatism. Of course, you knew that laid the foundations for the meaning and value of democracy in America and in the modern world. These foundations consisted roughly of the irreducibility of individuality within participatory communities, heroic action of ordinary folks in a world of radical contingency and a deep sense of evil that fuels struggles for justice. Jeffersonian notions of the irreducibility of individuality within participatory communities attempt to sidestep rapacious individualism and authoritarian communitarianism by uh, situating unique selves within active networks of power sharing that protect liberties, promote prosperity, and highlight accountability. What is Cornell talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. He makes my head hurt. I never finished that book. I don't even know if I finished that essay. Because his assumption is you understand what pragmatism is and and the irreducibility of this or that or whatever he was talking about. Again, that cat is heavy. Amen? Amen. Michael Eric Dyson is is heavy. And my man Ta-Nehisi Coates is heavy, but a little bit more relatable. Cornell doesn't want you to figure out what he's talking about in this book. Any book that you have to read with a dictionary Just to get through a few sentences means the cat wants you to climb up and and reach his level. He says, I'm not bringing it down to the masses. Now, you better know what I'm talking about. And the only way you can know what you're talking about is to be able to have a dictionary and Google to understand, even to enter into the conversation of understanding. And again, as heavy as Cornell West is. He is lightweight when it comes to the heaviness that our God projects with his glory. When he reveals who he is and based upon what he has done, our God is heavy. And that's why that word kabod means glory and honor and splendor. There is a heaviness and a weightiness to who God is is and God's glory is the sum total of his nature he must be ascribed or given glory because he has glory and you and I need to recognize and give him his due that's why in Romans 11 and 36 after the apostle Paul spends all of this time and guess what else the apostle Paul is heavy Amen. Trying to step through the 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 theological high grass that he is is letting us know about That's in Romans nine and Romans 10 and Romans 11. Talking about how God has dealt with Israel and God's choice and all of like that. Again, it's heavy. Amen. It's heavy. And at the end of of all of that, those three chapters, the apostle Paul busts out into a doxology and doxa is the word in Greek, for glory. He starts to ascribe glory to God. It's like after I reveal the plan of God and all that God is trying to do for Israel and all the the plan of man, the apostle Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should repay them? For from him, And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's how you end a passage when you're talking about who God is and what God has done. All you can do is break out in praise. The Apostle Paul says, I know your head hurts. I know I'm heavy. I know I'm dropping concepts that you're not going to understand. I know you don't understand how uh, he says, uh, uh, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. I, I I know you don't understand how he says before they were in the womb and before they did anything right or wrong, I chose Jacob. That doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't seem fair to us. But, but he says, listen, I'm going to throw this out there so you can get it. But my response and my, and, my, and my posture at the end of understanding all that God is and all that God is trying to do. No, excuse me, not trying to do. All that God is doing with man. Your only response has to be at the end for from him and through him and to him are all things to him. Be the glory. Not just right now. But for what? Forever. Amen. And you throw the mic down. Glory. I love Isaiah 42 and 8 when you think about God's glory because he says, I am the Lord. <laughs> that is my name and my glory. I will not give to another. Satan tried to come up on God and take some glory. And you remember what Satan did and, and, and his choice in Isaiah chapter 14, those, those five, I believe, I will statements that really characterized Lucifer's problem with God. He uh, decided in, in Isaiah 14, he said, this is the scripture saying, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like The most high. And God simply said, no, you will not. Amen. But that was what he aspired to. Because he wanted to ascend to heaven. He wanted to rise. He wanted to sit. He wanted to ascend above the clouds. He said, I will be like the most high. His pride is such that he wants to be worshipped. And he wants to be worshipped for the glory that God created him. And God said, the glory with which the created thing has is nothing compared to the glory of the one who created him. Isaiah 28 lets us know just a little bit maybe about the mindset. We'll just break that down for a second, a little bit about the, the mindset of, of uh, Satan, because if you look at him and how he was created, he was a bad boy. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorn you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Amen? You talk about bling-bling? Satan had the bling-bling. Amen? In the King James, it talks, it talks not about, they, they, they have different descriptions. And the, the one stone that I like, that I think that the brother, brothers would, would gravitate towards, was the carbuncle. I don't know what a carbuncle is, but it sounds fat and it sounds like something that we would want to put on a chain. It was like, nah, gold is played. Platinum is played. What you need to get is a carbuncle. I can see brothers with big like and then a the carbuncle's not little, it's gotta be big. And we would play it as big. That's the bling. Satan had all of that in terms of how he was designed. He was he was bling bling. And then the scripture says your settings and mountings were in you before uh, as um your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created, they were prepared. The, the King James uh talks about again your ch- your, your, your your chambers were you, you, were were made, and again the indication is that when when Satan Walked, music played. That's a bad boy. Amen. Got his own theme music. You You know, according to I'm gonna Get You Sucker, it tells you every superhero must have their own theme music. And that's why at the end of that movie, They had Jack Spade with the KRS-One and BDP were walking behind him. And again, that's a great image. They were walking behind him and they were playing music as he walked. Satan didn't need anybody to walk behind him. The music played as he moved. And so when you start thinking about that, you got that kind of bling, you got that kind of beautiful uh, creation. He uh, he had to he had the bling bling. And so he also had the privilege. He was near God's throne and he was in his holy presence. And in verse 14 will remind us that of his position. It was of the highest order. You were anointed as a guardian cherub for. So I had ordained you. You were on the holy mount. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Fallen angel. And what was his crime? He wanted glory for himself. And all the glory is due to God. Beautiful, yes anointed, yes, had access, had all of that, but missed out on one thing. It's still about the business of the one who is created cannot be greater than the one who created him. And his pride wanted him to be worshiped. And his penalty was he was cast down to earth. And because he was cast down to earth, when God began to move across the waters. And when God began to to create, as it says in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. The reason it was without form and void is because Satan was cast down uh, previous to that. And anywhere that he occupies automatically turns into a garbage dump formless and voidless it's not what god intended that's why in verses in genesis we're really talking not about the creation of the earth beloved we're talking about the recreation of the earth because he went down to earth and he turned it immediately into a garbage dump and then god begins to move and god begins to create and he separates dark from light a uh, light and he does all of these things and then god has the nerve The nerve to create a creature not as beautiful as Lucifer, not in the same class in terms of 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 power or anything like that. But he creates a man and says, now I am giving you dominion over this place. And Satan said, no, it's on. It's on. There's now the battle for that. And now we become inserted into that. And it only took two chapters. Genesis three, where Satan then enlists us on his side. And then we got fallen angels. And now, unfortunately, we have fallen man. Because we did not give him his glory. We did not listen to his instruction. He gave us a perfect place to be. And we did not do what we were supposed to do. And so, again, it's all about the glory from the beginning to the end. There has been this battle for the recognition of who should get the glory. And God is letting us know over and over and over and over. There's only one that should get glory. And that's himself. Now, in the time that we have left this morning, I want to share with you how God has been speaking about his glory since the beginning. Amen. He's always been solving for you, recognizing his glory. And there are four ways that that, that he is really. Um, emphasized his glory to us and three of them are past and one of them will be in the future. Uh, Three of them are past. Four of them are past. Four. One, two, three. Yeah, four. Four are past. One is future. Sorry. And we'll just cover a couple of these. And again, these, if you've been around this church before, you, 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 we've talked about this before, but it is apropos that we talk about it (laughs) <laughs> Again, here. The first way God has really tried to help us to understand his glory is through creation. Creation is a revelation of God's designing glory. Amen. Did you hear what I said? That creation is God's revelation of his Designing glory. Psalms 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hand. Day after day, listen to this language. Day after day, David says, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voices go out through all the whole earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. and It rises at one end of the heavens and make its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from his heat. Again, the Psalms 19 starts to, to drill down a little bit in some of God's specific creation, but it says the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. His glory is in the design. There, if you've ever sat, and I'm sure you may have had this privilege, if you ever sat and just look out over the ocean, there is something that will move you as you just sit there and you watch it and then you just get lost in the vastness of a body of water like that. As you look out and it goes all the way to the horizon, and then you begin to think about what you see but then what you can't see that the understanding that they have mountain peaks below water that are higher than the mountain peaks that are above water that there are millions and millions of creatures teeming in that water creatures that that some of which we've never discovered or never seen And that creation that that's supposed to spark something in us as we sit there or we look at a at a mountain peak for hours. And that's why views are so important. And then we begin to reflect on the majesty of what God has created. And here is the kicker in Romans one, 19 and 20. It says this, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. That has torn me up ever since I read it many, many years ago as a young believer, how can God say, listen, they can literally find me If they look to what I've created and that scripture goes on to say, but since they didn't want to find me, they decided to take what I created. And then they began to worship not what I, me as the creator, but they began to formulate in their minds a ways to, to worship uh, and and turn and turn what I, uh, turn me into uh, uh, idols and uh, of birds and, and and other things like that. And that's, that's the twisted nature of man that we want to worship. And God said, I've provided a way for you to see me in nature but instead of worshiping me for who I am you changed it into another form a form that you could control a form that you created yourself and then you began to worship that so again worship was always on the agenda it's how we are designed but we're designed to find him and I'm promising you what makes man without excuse is God said if you seek me and, and search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Amen? That's what uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about in Acts chapter 17. He says, the God that you're worshiping and the, all of these idols I see, let me reveal that God to you. It's the God who created the heaven and earth. And again, it, it's in him that we live and move and have our being. That's the God I'm talking about. He's saying that if you want to find me, I'm right here. I don't play hide and seek. I play seek and find. He said, so that maybe possibly reach out that he may find, although he is not far from any of us. If you want to find him, God said, I'm right here. I don't play hide and seek. I want you to play seek and find. God says there is a designing glory that, has, that is there that if we began to think, and the more we discover about nature, the more we discover about uh, the universe, even, that we say that there, they say there are probably 200 billion stars just in our one Milky Way. And they say there are probably over a million Milky Ways. The vastness of space. God created all of that. He's created that because it helps you to understand how great is our God. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing, how great is our God. Indescribable, uncontainable. You put the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. That's the God we're talking about. He says all of that is designed to overwhelm you so that you will seek me and find me. And the only way you'll seek me and find me is if you search for me with all of your your heart. But there is a designing glory that God has revealed. (laughs) And then, and this will be the last one we'll do today. Not just there's a designing glory. Beloved. There's a dwelling glory. There's a dwelling glory. It's not just in creation. He revealed his glory in the cloud, the cloud. What cloud am I talking about? In Exodus chapter 24, it says this, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called Moses from within the cloud to the Israelites. The glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of a mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up to the mountain and stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Again, God's glory was in that uh, cloud. And, and what I love is in Exodus 25 and 8, then God says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. It was always God's Plan and design to reveal himself in creation, but then to reveal himself in this cloud. He says, yep, the creation, that'll help. That's a design in glory, but I want to show them a dwelling glory. If they will build it, come on, somebody, if they build it, I will come. I will dwell with man. I will dwell with them in the pillar of cloud by day, in the pillar of fire by night, and I will let them know how heavy I am because when the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Amen? Amen. It talks about in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and 1 Kings chapter 8. The priest when when they dedicated the the, the, the temple with Solomon, it says And then the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And when the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the scriptures literally says the priests could not stand and do their jobs. They were trying to minister, but they got blown back. They could not stand to minister. Why? Because the glory of the Lord dropped and it was heavy. And when something drops on you, that's heavy. You got no choice but to drop to your knees. The priest said, we can't stand. We have to kneel. We can't stand because we got blown back. We can't stand because the glory of the Lord is here. And that's the glory that in rabbinical tradition. And I know you've heard this word. That's what they call the Shekinah glory. Amen. Shekinah meaning uh, is a combination of, of a word for dwell and a word for Yahweh. This word called Shekan. And again, it's the dwelling of God with men. He says, I want them to see my glory. I want them to appreciate how heavy I am. Because when I show up. Everything else has to stop. You can't even minister when I show up because the kebab of my glory. Is that heavy? And I want you to know that if you build it, I will come. And he dwelt with the children of Israel. And it says in all of the travels of Israel, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night. And in all sight of the house of Israel during their travel, they knew that they moved when the glory of the Lord moved. You and I, we seem to be moving all over the place and the glory of the Lord has not moved to lead us. Okay, so we got nothing to say to that. We can say what we want about the children of Israel. They got that thing. At least they got that thing right. God said, when I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. When we we set out, it's because we're following the cloud. And if the cloud don't move, we don't move. Are you following God so closely that you move when he says move and you stay when he says stay? And we haven't even gotten to the best revelation of God's glory yet. We're just talking about God revealing himself in creation. That's a designing glory. We're not talking. We're just talking about God revealing himself in the cloud, which is a dwelling glory. But next time we're together, we're going to talk about how he revealed himself in the Christ. And that's a dazzling glory. Father, in the name of Jesus.